0: Now, it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the gospel for this weekend, we have Jesus sending out the 72 disciples to go and evangelize. Now, this is a beautiful portrait of our church, isn't it? Our church is a missionary church. From the very conception with Jesus and the apostles, Even up to this day and age, 2,000 years later, we still are a missionary church. We are a people sent on mission. What do I mean by that? Well, it's a basic biblical truth. When people find faith in God, God immediately sends them on mission so they can live out that faith. Give me some examples. Moses, he is sent on mission to go and liberate the Israelites held in captivity in Egypt. Jeremiah, his mission, he is sent to the Israelites to preach reform to a people that has fallen into idolatry. Isaiah is sent on mission to preach a message of hope to the Israelites conquered by the Babylonians and now living as slaves to the Babylonians. How about John the Baptist? He is sent on mission to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, before he ascends back into heaven, he gives the apostles the great commission to evangelize and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are a missionary church. The gospel is given to us not for our own private use, our own private edification, But what we freely received from God, we must freely give to others in this world. We're all on for it. We must bring the good news to all people in this world. Now you say to yourself, well, no, that's not my job. That's the job of the priest. He's supposed to evangelize. He's the preacher. Well, not exactly. We're all on for it. St. Francis of Assisi would always tell his monks, preach the word of God each and every day of your life, and if necessary, use words. Now that's a powerful statement to make. Essentially what Saint Francis is saying, actions speak louder than words. Therefore, our mission is to be a living witness to the gospel in our life. Our mission simply to live out our faith each and every day of our life to the best of our abilities. See, we began that mission at the very moment of our baptism, when we now have faith in God. And like all the figures of the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, God now sent us on mission. Again, our mission is to be a living witness to the gospel in our life, each and every day of our life, just like these 72 disciples were. Therefore, what I want to do is focus on this gospel, Now, Jesus sends the 72 out to all the villages and towns he intends to visit. Notice he sends them in pairs. That's good. That's very good. Why? Because the work of the church is sometimes difficult. It's sometimes challenging. Now, you would say, well, if Jesus sent them out one by one, or as individuals, he could probably, theoretically, cover twice as much ground. But... If they were sent out by themselves and the work began to become challenging, what would happen? Well, they would become discouraged and frustrated. They'd have no one to talk to and no one to support them during those difficult times. Therefore, they would become very susceptible to quitting. They would say, well, you know, no one is here to help me. Therefore, why should I continue to do this? And they would quit the mission. And so Jesus sends them as pairs so that they could support one another. Especially during the difficult or challenging times, they could encourage one another, motivate each other, inspire one another, so as not to give up the mission. Well, so too with us. You know, our church is all about community. You know, everything we do within our church, we do it together, don't we? Look at just worshiping, You know, there's no way a person can pick up a Bible, go into their living room, sit down in their Lazy Boy, read a few scripture passage, and then say, you know, I properly worshiped God on Sunday. Wrong. We're just kidding ourselves. No, on the weekend, we keep holy the Sabbath. We come together as a faith community, and we worship God together. We pray together. We sing together. Better yet, we share the meal together, the Eucharist together as a faith community. Look at the sacraments. We always celebrate them together as a community. We don't celebrate them as individuals. We do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy together. Jesus himself said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am present. Paul is constantly writing about the body of Christ, that we as a faith community make up the body of Christ. We don't make up the body of Christ as individuals, no. Instead, as a collective, whole community. Take it to a practical level. You know, sometimes living out our faith in this day and age, in our culture, can be very hard. It's not always easy. If we are alone, what happens? Well, when we become frustrated and discouraged in practicing the faith, will be easy for us to give it up and say, well, you know, I'm just not going to church anymore. I'm not praying anymore. I'm not doing anything to worship my God. Well, that's where we have to come to a community. See, when we have those times in which we feel frustrated or discouraged in practicing our faith, we come to a community, a parish, a faith community. And it's that community that supports us, that encourages us, motivates us. Better yet, we receive strength from our faith communities. You know, there's that old saying, there is strength in numbers. Well, that is so true with our faith communities. Now, Jesus continues He says, The harvest is abundant, but laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest. Here, he's reminding the disciples that they have to pray throughout this entire mission. Regardless of what town or village they're at, they have to be constantly praying for the success of their mission. You know, Billy Graham picked up on this. It was that great story about Billy Graham. Before he would ever preach a crusade, months and months before he was ever going to go into a city to preach a crusade, he would send followers ahead of him. And those followers had one task and one task only, to pray for the success of the crusade. And Billy Graham always attributed the success of the Crusades through prayer. See, prayer is vital to the work of our church. We must be people of prayer. We must be praying every day, several times a day. See, that's part of our mission. If we're not praying every day, it's going to be very hard for us to live out our mission. Next, Jesus says, Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs amongst wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, nor sandals. Well, here Jesus highlights a sense of urgency, a single-mindedness. What is Jesus really saying practically? He's telling the disciples, hey, don't worry where your next meal will come from, or don't worry about where am I going to sleep tonight. If you start worrying about those, they're going to distract them from their mission. Instead, what Jesus is saying, you know, allow God's providence to take care of all those worries. Instead, be single-minded on your mission. Well, so too must we. We must be single-minded, you know, in our faith, in living out our faith each and every day of our life, such that the allures of this world do not distract us from coming to Mass every Sunday. They don't distract us from praying every day. Take it to another level. Here, Jesus is also referring to a life of simplicity, If you look at Jesus and the apostles, they lived simple lives. They didn't live extravagant lives that called attention to themselves. The saints did also. Pope John Paul II is a great example of that. You know, biographers will always say John Paul II had a wonderful way of attracting people to him, especially the young people. The young people were very attracted to John Paul II because of his simplicity of life. You know, John Paul II knew that. That's why he was the one who established these World Youth Days every year in which millions and millions of young men and women would gather around the world to pray and to worship with John Paul II. It was his simplicity of life that attracted them. Really, simplicity of life is essentially the outward expression of our reliance upon God's grace in our life. Next, Jesus says, Stay in the same house, eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Well, we too must support the work of the church, don't we? And we do it by stewardship, time, talent, treasure. We recognize that everything that we have in our life is truly a gift from God. Therefore, what we have freely received from God, now we can freely share for the benefit of building up our parishes and strengthening our faith communities. Next, Jesus says, Eat what is set before you, cure the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. Well, there are different forms of sickness, aren't there? Spiritual, physical, emotional, psychological. And our church continues to heal the sick through the sacraments, through the sacraments of baptism, confession, anointing of the sick. Now, you may say to yourself, well, Father, that's your job. I can't hear confessions or anoint. Only you can do that. Well, yeah, that's true. But we can all bring those people back to the church, people that are in need of healing. Just a few days ago, in the daily readings, we had that great story in the gospel in which the four stretcher bearers brought Jesus, the paralytic, to be healed. In that story, it says Jesus was amazed at the faith of the stretcher bearers. Not at the faith of the paralytic, but the stretcher bearers, because the stretcher bearers truly believed in who Jesus was, and that he would be able to cure the paralytic. Well, we must be stretcher bearers ourselves. We must bring people back to the church to be healed. More to it, We have to bring people back to be reconciled by the church. You know, we all know that there are many, many Catholics that have left our church for many different reasons, whether it's the priest pedophile scandal, whether it's the bankruptcy in our archdiocese, whether it's many different things, maybe a rude minister. Well, what we have to do is bring those people back to the church so they can now be reconciled back to the church and God. Finally, we reach the end of the story and it has a happy ending, the disciples come back rejoicing in their success. Why were they successful? Because they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. First, they accepted their mission. Then they prayed throughout that entire mission, and they had a single-mindedness in that mission. Nothing distract them at all. Well, we can do the same thing ourselves in our mission. We must accept our mission. You will be a living witness to the gospel each and every day of our life. Pray every day and then have a single-mindedness so that nothing distracts us at all from practicing our faith. A few last things. Jesus says to the disciples when they come back, I observed Satan falling like lightning from the sky. That's interesting, isn't it? What are we to make of this? Well, as the kingdom of God is gradually ushered or established in this world, Well, then, evil in all of its forms becomes defeated. Do you want to combat evil in this world? Do you truly want to get rid of evil or destroy evil in this world? Then accept your mission, just like the 72 did. Be a living witness to the gospel in your life. One last thing Jesus says, Rejoice, for your names will be written in heaven. Jesus tells the disciples, because of their success, Their success, their mission was seen. It was known and it was remembered by God. Well, so too with us. When we accept our mission and live it out, when we live out our faith each and every day of our life, then it will be seen. It will be known and remembered by God and all the saints and the angels who are constantly surrounding us and protecting us. And that's worth rejoicing over. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.